If you are visiting us as a church over the last few weeks, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke together, um, focusing our attention on Jesus. And the passage I have today is just one of the, uh, one of the richest for telling how Jesus interact, in, interacted with certain individuals. You see, whilst as Christians we do believe that Jesus Christ is the hope for the whole cosmos, we believe that Jesus is the saviour of the world. The way in which God determined to save the world wasn't through simply a snap of the fingers and a total sudden transformation. Though one day when he returns, there will be a sense of the suddenly perfected creation. That will happen. But he is and has begun to bring about recreation in the hearts and lives of men and women whom he meets individually and speaks to personally. And one of the things I just love so very much about Jesus is that he would always know who the person was in front of him. He'd always discern what was happening in their hearts. He would see through and his... And he was the, you know, the great cardiologist, the great heart surgeon. And he would go about bringing healing to broken hearts. And he would commission people. And he would set them off on great adventures. And he would use the most broken and fragile of people to do the most remarkable things for his glory. He started that way back in these gospel narratives. He continues doing it today. Meeting us where we are seeing us where we are, loving us where we are. And so I love this passage that we're seeing. The challenge I've had this week is what not to include in chapter 5. <laughs> You'll see what I mean. Why don't we read together Luke 5, verses 1 through to 11 to begin with. Luke 5, verse 1. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little further from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, 
and followed him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that you sent Jesus into the world to show the world who you are and what you're like. And so, Lord, I pray, help us see you today by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, shine that light on Jesus. May we see in his face compassion, hope, healing. May we see in Jesus the friend that we so desperately need. We want to hear you speak to us today, Lord. Amen. And so the passage begins in verse 1. We're told, the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word. Uh, That's how Luke sets up this narrative. The crowds would press in on Jesus for many reasons. They would press in to maybe receive a, a miracle. The sick were gathered to him. They would, they would press into Jesus because you just never knew what was going to happen when Jesus was around. But on this occasion, we're told they pressed in close because they, they wanted to hear his words. Do you know what that is, Will? It's the beard. I'm, I seriously need a shave, right? It's too bushy. It's affecting the word of God being preached without distraction. This beard must go in the name of Jesus. got a razor in his bag. Why? (laughs) That's concerning. There we go. Thank you, Will. The beard stays for now. They pressed in to hear God's word. Jesus has God's word. He has God's word. Think of that. What is the question that you're needing an answer to? What's the conundrum that you need solving? What's the problem? Are you asking, God, what's your will for my life? Is there a big decision that you need to make? Press into Jesus to hear God's word. And today, God has words for you to hear. Each of us. There are words for us to hear. And so they're pressing in, and Jesus is teaching them. He's been teaching them faithfully. The crowd is so big now that he's being pushed ever closer into the water. So he gets into the boats that he might have a clearer way of speaking and addressing the crowd. And then this moment happens where Jesus invites Simon, the fisherman, to just move the boat a little further out. Hey, Simon, let's move out a little deeper. And he says to him, cast your nets out for a catch. Now, let's try and just see this through the eyes of Simon so we know that he's been fishing all night long. Now, anyone here, like, do night shifts? Anyone? Right, so the morning after a night shift you're not much use for anything, right? Or if you've, if you've been a mum, if you're a mum here, you know what it's like to be up all night. And you get to mid-morning, and you're like in a daze. And so Simon, has, he's been up working all night. He's not caught anything. He's not caught a sardine, right? And here is Jesus, the carpenter, giving him a fishing tip, Right? All right, Jesus, you stick to the woodwork. I'll deal with the angling, please. Cast your nets out for a catch. 
This is Middle Eastern sun beating down upon him. And, and Simon tired. And his response is an interesting one. Verse 5. We've worked hard all night long. We've caught nothing. In other words, he's saying, I don't really know why we will, what this is going to achieve. Doubts. Right? Jesus is speaking to him. And what Simon communicates is like, I don't really know what the point is of this, Jesus. But then he says, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets. You see, Simon's actually already seen Jesus performing a miracle. He healed his mother-in-law. He's seen him work miracles already. So there's a sense in Simon of this competing, uh, this competition for what he's going to do here. His doubt or his faith? His pessimism or his confidence in Jesus' instruction? And for how many of us do we go through life in a similar way? On the one hand, we do believe God. And yet, on the other hand, we have significant doubt that we navigate often. Do I really want to do this? Is this really worthwhile? Do I really believe God's word? And so Simon, in this moment, he offers his doubt, his smoke, if you like. But there's a fire of belief. But if you say... It's like in his mind he's going, you never know what might happen with Jesus. Let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens. You see, if he'd have just said, Jesus, I can't be bothered. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm tired. I, I, just, I just don't see the point. He would have missed out on the adventure of a lifetime. But he said, but if you say, now this isn't commanding faith here. This isn't like, of course I'll throw my nets out. Of course there's going to be something spectacular. Like there's a real doubt mixed in with his faith. And, and guys, that's my experience often. Yes, I believe God can do it, but I have a struggle often with doubts and unbeliefs. You mustn't beat yourself up if that's you as well, because we do navigate those moments. And as Peter has faith and he has doubt. He has belief, he has unbelief. He's trying to just figure out what does he do in this moment. So they move the boat further out. Now you see, Jesus being God is able to command the shoal of fish to appear at the right place at the right time. And so they cast the nets over. <laughs> the nets go taut. And they start pulling, and they know that they have, they're in business. And they pull up the nets, and the nets are so full. They have to get the other boat to come over. They are beginning to sink under the weight of this catch. It is chaos. Fish flipping, bouncing everywhere, splashing water. It's, and the crowd are watching this. What? Look at this catch of fish. It's stunning. And Simon's reaction, when he sees this, he falls to his knees. And he looks at Jesus and he says, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. You must leave me. I'm sinful. You see, Simon has come under a sense of awe 
at the might and the power of God. He's seen in Jesus in this moment this authority, and it's terrifying. It's terrifying because he knows the state of his own heart and his own sin. But you see, Simon's theology is very weak here. Because on the one hand, he has a correct theology of God, that God is holy, correct. He has a correct theology of God that God judges sin. That's true. He has a correct theology of himself because he knows that he's sinful. But what Simon doesn't yet get is the grace of God. What Simon hasn't realized is that Jesus hasn't come in this instant to condemn the world, but to save the world. That he's come to rescue the world. That he's come for sinners. So he says, you must leave me because I am sinful. And what does Jesus do? He comes to him and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I just want to read to you a very similar scene in John 21. You'll see the parallels. John 21. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his, of his disciples were together, much of the same crew that we've just heard about. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Sound familiar? When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Who's this guy rubbing it in? <laughs> Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. This is Simon, same guy. It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him for he'd taken it off, and he plunged into the sea. And he swam desperately to get near to Jesus. What a transformation from the one catch of fish where he's terrified. Get away from me. And on this occasion, he's putting his clothes on. We don't know why he did that, but he puts his clothes on. He dives in. He can't get to Jesus quicker. He's desperate to get close. What's changed? The grace of God has transformed his heart. You see, he's seen Jesus crucified. He's seen Jesus resurrected. He's realized that his sin, his sin that made him so terrified in the presence of a holy God, has been dealt with at the cross of Jesus has already been judged. You see, Jesus died at the cross to take the sin of Simon and my sin and your sin so that in the presence of an almighty, holy God, he doesn't run from us. He moves towards us. You see, Jesus moves towards sinners to wrap them in his grace. So if you can relate to Simon today, 
I'm a sinful man. Jesus' words to you are, don't be afraid. Come on. And so the next thing Jesus says is that from now on you'll be catching people. And they brought the boats to land and left everything to follow him. This moment for Simon is his dream moment. If you're a fisherman, I don't know if there are any fishermen here. If you're a fisherman, you dream about a catch like this. You dream about pulling in the nets and, and imagine a catch so great that the boat begins to sink. You could say this was the pinnacle moment of Simon's career. And at that moment, Jesus says, I'm going to call you to something even greater. He, he took that moment to commission him. That moment of maybe greatest cost to leave. And it says he left everything and followed him. Everything. You only do that if you've seen in Jesus something so attractive, so wonderful, so glorious that you see a life with Jesus as being better than anything else. Why would they leave their boats, the nets, the fish? Why would they leave everything unless what they saw was so arresting and captivating and so pulled upon their hearts that they would have that more than anything else? Now, what's the application? Is the application, well, we all just need to give up our jobs and work full-time for the church? That's not the application. Right? We know Simon got back into the boats. He continued to fish. That's not the application. Here's the thing. It's that now he gets to do life with Jesus. Now he gets to do this for another, a greater master. Now he gets to use the gifts that God's given him to catch men, or the, the better rendering of the Greek would be to, to rescue men, to be rescuing others. And so, and so Jesus says, from now on, you're going to rescue people. From now on, you're not just going to be hauling the fish out of the ocean. You're going to be hauling men, women, and children out of their suffering and out of their misery. You're going to be hauling them out, and you're going to be seeing them rescued and saved. And in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches the gospel. And what happens? 3,000 people in that moment come to Jesus. A huge catch that he could never have imagined. He, he sees it happen. And I know there are many of you, and you'd say, do you know what? My nets are full. I've achieved much. I've done well. God's been good to me. God's, God's favor has been upon my life. I've done well. And I know many of you have had an encounter with Jesus like this, and you're taking the richness of what God has given you, and you're using it to serve the interests of others. You're investing in his kingdom. You're, you're seeing opportunities to love others, and to help others, and to show compassion, and, uh, and to take food to those who are hungry, and clothes to those who are naked, and, and you're using the resources God's given you to bless others. And for some of you, you're maybe at a point in your career or in your life, and you're thinking, well, things are full, but there's something more. I feel like there's something more for me to give. And maybe to you today, you need to hear Jesus saying, come on, let's catch people. 
Let's use the gifts and the grace and the supply to help others. Let's see what happens in this next passage, verse 12. While he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Now the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. And yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Now, beautiful passage of scripture. Wonderful, wonderful description of a miracle. At the beginning we're told, while he was in one of the towns. Now, that's significant detail. What is a town? Well, a town is a, a highly populated place where many people live where many people work, and where many people gather. Well, why is that significant? Because this guy's a leper. This guy's a leper. Where, are, where do lepers belong? They belong in the leper colonies, away from people. They're meant to be nowhere near people who are clean. And yet, this man comes into the town. You've got to imagine the scene with me, covered in leprosy. And, and the crowd is around Jesus, and suddenly there's this commotion. And people are, are, are screaming out, leper, leper. And they're backing off him, covering themselves. As this man runs towards Jesus and falls at his feet. This is a picture of complete desperation. You see, this man knows what it is to live in shame. This man knows what it is to feel like an outcast. This man knows what it is to feel like nobody cares for me. Or certainly, in the context of a crowd, to feel like I don't belong. And yet, driven, driven by his desperation, he sees in Jesus the possibility of hope the possibility of a healing, the possibility of his life being changed. And he falls at Jesus' feet and he begs him, Lord, if you're willing, he says. Everyone is appalled by this man. What would Jesus do? Does Jesus retreat? Does Jesus cover his face? Put his COVID mask on? How does Jesus handle this moment? Again, he advances towards him. You know, Jesus could have just spoken. He could have just said, be clean. In the next passage, we have the paralytic lowered through the roof. Jesus just says, get up and walk. He can just speak the healing. He doesn't even need to be in the same place. He says to the centurion, your servant will be healed. And yet here what he does is he put out his hand 
and he touched him. You see, Jesus wasn't just cleansing him of his physical disease. Jesus was touching this man to deal with his isolation, to deal with his social need. To say, whilst everyone else would have you cut off, whilst you feel you should be away from everybody else, I want you to know I'm prepared to touch you. I'm, I'm prepared to put my hand on you, despite this infectious disease, despite the fact that Jesus is the pure, clean one, he puts his hand on this defiled skin and says, I'm willing, and he's clean. Beautiful, stunning miracle. And we're told this, friends, because leprosy is so often seen in a metaphorical sense of what sin is like for us. And that we feel a sense of dirtiness at times. We feel a sense of, I don't belong with God or amongst people. Sin isolates us. Sin causes us to hide. Like Simon, I've got to get away. And yet Jesus says, I come to restore you into relationship with me. I come to cleanse you. I come to deal with all of the things that cause the separation. I've come to have you as my own. I've come to restore that relationship and integrate you in. Are you feeling desperate here today? Are you feeling your need? If you come here today because you don't know where else to turn, and you've come because just maybe Jesus is here, and, and perhaps Jesus is able to work a miracle in my life, if that's you, I want to speak to you right now. And Jesus would say these words, I'm willing, be clean. I'm willing, let me touch you, let me restore you, let me forgive you. Come and have relationship with me. What a glorious invitation that is. I tell you, there is not a single person here today who, like Peter, wants to run to Jesus with arms outstretched, praising and singing, who hasn't at some point had that sense of, I need to be made clean. There's not one of us that has lived a perfect life, but we fall upon the feet of one who's merciful and gracious. And the caricature of God that the evil one would paint is that he's cruel and unkind and harsh and wants to judge you and wants to punish you. But Jesus comes to bring grace and forgiveness and restoration to look you in your eye and to say, be clean. Be forgiven. Be made whole. Come and follow me. You see, that is who God is because Jesus is God. And this is what Jesus reveals to us. And finally, I want us to see another character in this chapter. Verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. His name is also Matthew. He's written one of the Gospels. Sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him.
you know why I want to mention this one? It's because these previous two occasions are pretty extraordinary in their display of the miraculous power of God, aren't they? I mean, the catch of fish, extraordinary. The healing of the leper, extraordinary. I would love to see that kind of healing power. And we believe God heals today, and we have testimonies of God healing. But we don't see it every day. And yet there's something so ordinary about this verse. This tax collector, Levi, again, a social outcast. Tax collectors were not popular chaps. They were profiteering. They were dishonest. They were taking people's money. They were hated. People hated the tax collectors. The lowest of the low. Working for the Romans, gathering money for the Romans, stealing from us. Allowing our oppression, wicked tax collectors. And you see, Jesus walks past, and uh, Jesus saw him. He looks him in the eye, and all he says is, follow me. What does he do? All right. He just gets up and follows him. He leaves it all behind. He leaves all the money. He leaves his career. He leaves the whole thing. He knows he can't carry on in this, in this job. Right? Simon carried on. Levi leaves it. Jesus' words are captivating. You see, when his word penetrates your heart, we describe it as irresistible grace. When the grace of Jesus cuts your heart, two simple words spoken, Follow me changes your life. And again, there's not one of us here today that's worshiping God here who knows forgiveness of sins, who hasn't heard Jesus speak to their hearts in a similar way. Follow me. His words are captivating. His words are arresting because they are the words of God. The words that the crowd came to hear The words that you and I so desperately need to hear. His words bring a conviction of sin. His words cleanse us from our sin. And his words are utterly captivating. You see, we're baptizing people here today. But baptism is a significant step in what is life spent walking with Jesus. They are called to a life with Jesus as we have been called to walk with Jesus. Let me ask you, are you walking with Jesus? Do you know what it is to follow him? Do you see in him a treasure so great that you'll leave everything else to follow him? Because nothing compares to knowing Christ as our Lord. Nothing compares to knowing him. A.W. Tozer said this, one thing the young Christian should be taught as quickly as possible after his conversion is that Jesus Christ is all he needs. Jesus is all you need, my friends. He's all you need. Will you follow him? Why don't we stand? We're going to bring the kids in and we're going to have baptisms in a moment and I'm going to encourage you to do that but just one second let's just take a moment to pray if the band can come I don't know whether you feel like you relate to one of these characters 
Maybe you feel a little bit like Simon, the nets are full, but yet still I wonder, is there an adventure ahead for me? Jesus would say, follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Or maybe you feel more like the leper, and you are falling at Jesus' feet in desperation. Jesus is willing to cleanse today. And maybe it's just the simple words that Levi heard. Follow me. Maybe for some of you, you know you are walking in your own direction. And there needs to be a sharp, sudden change. Follow Jesus. The word of God is a, a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Don't walk in darkness when Jesus offers to illuminate your path for you. And so, Father, we pray for everyone here. Would we know that arresting power of God's word upon our hearts? Help us to see Jesus, Father, for who he is. A kind, compassionate, merciful, gracious friend who picks us up from the mess that we're in and cleanses and purifies us by the washing of his blood. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that at the cross you did everything that was necessary, everything that was needed to satisfy the holiness of God and his holy judgment. We thank you that you were judged in our place, that we might receive everlasting life, abundant life, life with Jesus. Oh, we're so grateful for this precious gospel.